Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, July 8, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 89, paragraph 3. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Stacey N., 12 Traditions, Denise P., the readers of the text, Sylvia F., Marcella M., and Marie P. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, July 7, 2014, is 6619. 6619. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contribution, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for your big book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Stacey N. to please read the 12 steps. Please press star 1. Janice Sam, if you're available, would you be willing to read the 12 steps of OA? Yes. Can you hear me, um, Melanie? I can. Thank can you? you very much. Okay. If you just wait one second. I'm so sorry. Um, okay. The 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten continued to take 
personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Yes. Thank you so much for stepping in, Janet. I will now ask Denise P. to please read the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name not, ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume the study, our study of the big book on page 89, paragraph 3, Perhaps you are not acquainted. And I will ask Sylvia F. to begin reading. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, visionaries. This is Sylvia. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in upstate New York. 
Perhaps you are not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover. You can easily find some by asking a few doctors, ministers, priests, or hospitals. They will be only too glad to assist you. Don't start out as an evangelist or reformer. Unfortunately, a lot of prejudice exists. You will be handicapped if you arouse it. Ministers and doctors are competent, and you can learn much from them if you wish. But it happens that because of your own drinking experience, you can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics. So cooperate, never criticize. To be helpful is our only aim. And this paragraph, it has a lot of my history in it. Um, for one thing, it's uh, don't start as, out as an evangelist or reformer. And definitely, when I got recovered, even before I got truly recovered, but I was abstinent, and um, it was the first time where I understood my disease and I did understand at least part of the solution. If I saw you and you needed it, I wanted to tell you about it. It didn't matter whether you thought you needed it or wanted it. And I, you know, I ruined a lot of opportunities that way um, uh, because I was deciding, I was judging, and I was deciding what someone else needed because I, I was so enamored. I, I just couldn't believe that I understood that I finally understood that I had a disease and that there was a solution. Um, and and you know the important part for for working with others is that I, you can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics. Um, because it's the only people that can understand what I have. I mean, it's just such an amazing experience to not have to explain why a potato chip might be a problem in my life without someone, you know, thinking, well, just don't eat it, don't pick it up, don't, you know, just stop after three or whatever, because they don't understand uh, my disease. So in the reverse of that, I can be uniquely useful to someone else with my with my disease, because to be helpful is our only aim. And we have to look for motives. To be helpful is our only aim. And um, I remember that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I finally understood that when I was in uh, in recovery, because it did, so many times it didn't matter that I was well-intended, but I had to execute as well. Um, but I want to go up to the top of this, and this is the difference to me between uh, alcoholics and compulsive overeaters is that identifying people who want our help, uh, who aren't in program already, is really interesting. It's a very soft, very slow process and doesn't necessarily happen for me very easily. Uh, my doctor is actually you know, a friend, um, not a close friend, but a friend, and even my doctor has this idea that if I have an eating disorder, I must be anorexic. But uh, she doesn't understand how it can, an eating disorder could take you to morbid obesity. And um, and and so I I I can't get referrals, even though I, even though I have talked to people and said, you know, I I I have this eating disorder and explain what it is. I'll be glad to work with others. They, you know, the experience I've had is that it would be like impolite or it would be an insurance nightmare or I just don't get referrals from from that uh, profession at all. And here, you know, the the alcoholic has prejudice, but wow, 
prejudices, um, uh, eating disorder, a, a compulsive overeater, huge prejudice because the world thinks that we ought to just have self-control. And so there's a, there's a ton of prejudice out there. So um, for me, you know, it, it's, it's through attraction, but for me the, the easiest way to, to help people is the newcomer who is coming into program and not being able, I have not been successful being able to find ways to help people outside of program easily. It has happened, and it and it's been a miracle, but it's um, it's been rare. But I'll go back to just to that last sentence: to be helpful is our only aim. If I remember that, um, not to be not to be an evangelist, but to be helpful uh, as I can to someone still suffering, uh, and I have to be patient and tolerant. And I have to bring it to those who want it, just to be able to say, I can't eat sugar, I can't eat flour, or I can't eat between meals, or whatever those to the person who um, who's asking me why I eat the way that I do. Um, that's really all I've been effective at doing. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Who would like to comment on the paragraph that was read? Kim. Katie from Boston. I heard Kim and then Katie. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Perhaps you're not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover. I mean, this is key. I, I am familiar with a lot of compulsive overeaters. And I don't need to go to doctors. There's plenty of them in the room. This was written at a time when there wasn't AA meetings, so we're going to hear a lot of work information about how they went out and had to seek people. Today, we just have to go to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. But the question is, am I acquainted with people who want to recover? That which means we're going to have to qualify people. That's a very uncomfortable thing to do because just because you come to an overeater's anonymous meeting doesn't mean that you're a compulsive overeater. Just because you're overweight doesn't mean you're a compulsive overeater. So we're going to be asking, and what, what, am I, what am I offering? You know, if someone is looking, and I don't have people who are, you know, sponsoring this is one thing, but if people who are on the line who are struggling and who haven't done this work, think about it from your perspective. You know, do, are you, do you really want to recover? You know, are you looking for a temporary respite? Are you looking for dieting with group support, or are you willing to do the work? That's what it's asking. Are eyes to those people who are willing to do the work? Because I make it very clear when I first take a new sponsee on that I am not their counselor, I'm not their banker, I'm not their nutritionist, I am not their judge and their jury. I am here to bring them through the 12 steps. That is my only aim, is to bring someone through the 12 steps. And I often have sponsees, when they start to sponsor, get very frustrated because there's all these people asking, I need a sponsor, I need a sponsor. And then they can't find someone to sponsor. Because people say, no, 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 I don't want to do these steps. I just need, can you help me with my food? I just need a food sponsor. Or no, 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 I just need someone I can call every day because when I get upset, I need you to calm me down so I don't pick up. If that's all you need, you don't need Overeaters Anonymous. Overeaters Anonymous are for people who cannot make the choice, who cannot follow a food plan. It's for those of us who have this twofold disease do you believe you have the allergy of the body? Do you believe you have the obsession of the mind? And if that is your reality, 
you're going to have to find a spiritual experience. So it says here working with others. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to be a sponsor, and it's a lot of work to be a sponsee. So often, yes, do I get a lot of phone calls, people looking for sponsors? But a lot of times after I talk to them and I let them know what I require, because as a sponsor, I can require things. And a lot of people will say, uh, yeah, I don't need that. Or they try to negotiate. Or because I only sponsor three days a week. No, 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 I need you every day just in case I have that urge. If that's all you need is, is a place where you can just get relief for that minute, maybe you're not ready to recover. I think sometimes we use that one day at a time against ourselves. One day at a time. I just need to do this one day at a time. No, I need to know, are you done for good? Are you done? Has this disease beat you in a state of reasonableness? Are you ready to submit yourself to these 12 steps? Because if you're not, maybe you have some more eating to do. So if you're on this line struggling, ask yourself these questions. Are you ready to submit to these steps? Are you really done? Or are you looking for that temporary respite? Are you looking just to be one day at a time so you lose 30 pounds? One day at a time so you get your doctor off your back? One day at a time until your kids stop bugging you? Or are you ready to recover? So I'll read that one more time. Perhaps you're not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Kim G., it's your turn. Good morning, Melanie. This is Katie G. Can you hear me? I can. Did I say Kim G? I meant to say Katie G. Good morning to you. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. Good morning, all. Katie G recovered for today. Compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here on the line. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know I'm a passionate person if you ever listen to me share. So evangelist and reformer, yes. Um, I kind of missed that line in the book where it talks about we had to concede to our innermost self, right, that we are real compulsive overeaters. It is not my job. That's the most powerful thing about this program. Like, when I finally conceded to me, like somebody telling me, Katie, you're a real compulsive overeater, and this is what you need, that didn't work for me. And so when I found the solution and I was going out and I would say, oh, my God, they're a compulsive overeater. This is what they need. Like, nobody listened to me. What a surprise, right? To be helpful is our only aim. And, look, I have a lot of opportunities in my life, in my family life. I have an active um, stepbrother who's in and out. And, and what I have found, the only, like, he knows what I do. I've offered to go to meetings with him. He knows how I eat. He knows how I don't drink. He knows how I work the steps, uh, he knows. And to be helpful is our only aim. So in other words, it is not my job to shove a solution down someone else's throat. For me, the only thing that helped me was a whole lot of pain. So much pain that in a thin body, couldn't make money, couldn't have relationships, and yet here I am. I'm like, okay, God, where's my stuff? I'm thin now, but I didn't have that, that vital spiritual experience. And same with doctors. Like the problem with my doctors is I was never honest with them. And, and, you know, I never told them exactly what I was doing and what was going on. And I had a remarkable experience. One of my doctors, she, my bones are osteopenic. And she said, you you know, you need to do this. You need to do that. She's an eating disorder specialist, the top in Boston, right? Well, a couple of years ago, I went back, I got my bone density scan and my bones are healthy again. 
you know, and that's just a side effect from living in this in this way of life, showing up consistently, showing up with her year after year and saying, no, I don't need that medication. I don't need that medication. I have this. I have that. I'm doing the steps. I'm, I'm being blown open, you know, and now she refers people to me and I've had the opportunity. People frequently say, oh, well, what do you do? What is it? And I, I ultimately I'll share with them. I'm in Overeaters Anonymous. I have an allergy of my body and I have an obsession of the mind and you know as the previous speaker said you know I, I haven't you know for me I had to be very badly mangled before I was willing to do this very badly mangled and the only thing I knew before I did the steps was that the way I was living was not working you know and so I had to move forward because I didn't know what else to go it was either this 12 step was going to work or I was going to go on and I was going to die right and so for me today, thank you, God, all I have is my experience of hope, my experience of being broken open and having a way to live my life in a relationship with God that works very, very well when I choose to be active and work it. So, you know, this is such a privilege, and thank God, I don't I don't have to be an evangelist or a reformer today for people to hear me. I love that line. I may be the only big book someone else ever reads, you know, so can I carry this non-evangelism, non-shoving down people's throats? But just be that quiet Katie today, you know, who's living in recovery and not creating another another mess uh, in the rooms or outside. And with that, I do pass. Thank you. Thank you. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph that was read? This is Bella. Can I share? Hi, Bella. I do hear you. And then, let's see, did I hear Paula? You did. And then did I hear anyone else? And then Santa. Those are the three that I heard. We'll go with that. Bella, Paula, and then Santa. Thank you. Good morning, Bella. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. To be helpful is our only aim. Wow. Now that I am in the program, I understand it. Yes, thank you, God. I am not here to be a people pleaser anymore. I am not here to to be self-centered and to be willing that people should do and believe exactly what I am doing and in what I am believing. No, not at all. Today, thank you, God. I know that I have to give over the message from God and not my message. And the message is, yes, I am connected to God. I live in freedom. And the same way that I live in freedom, I want to pass it over. If you want to accept it, good, so you will ask me. If you don't want to accept it or you are not ready yet to accept it, it's okay. I am not here to criticize you or to blame you or to judge you. I am here. My aim, my goal is to help. And I want to share my experience, the way that I went out from jail, from my own jail, and my experience as I live now in freedom. This is my goal. My goal is to pass over the freedom. And the freedom it's in my hand. I can, I can choose to live in freedom. And this is the message that God has for me, to be helpful for people, not to judge them, not to criticize them. 
And this is the power that God gave me to, to pass over the freedom, the happiness in life. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you. Paula, you're next. I'm sorry about that. I'm, I was busy unmuting there. Um, first, I want to say thank you, Melanie, for your service, this beautiful meeting and the opportunity to be here. I'm going to scoot on down to those last couple of lines, which seems to be a favor here. But that part, what, I, uh, what I'm looking at, you can be uniquely useful. To be unique without another, without a like, there's nothing like you there's the doctor there's the minister but when you can come alongside and you are the same you've been through this you've been at the place it's different that's what makes you unique it is not the same here and then it goes on to other alcoholics so now look at this word cooperate never criticize never criticize this is so important. You cooperate with them. You sit with them. To be helpful is our only aim. Here you aim well. You know, when you, it, it, and, I, and I have to say that, you know, when a child uh, is learning maybe to tie their shoe, no, 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 no. Uh, well, let me help you. No. Paula, press star eight. Uh, am I being heard? You are now. You're okay, back. Was, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, and they're the goal to be back. But it, I was just thinking when my child wants to uh, learn a certain skill and they do not want help, no, I'll do it myself. Then finally, something happens. I don't say anything. Okay, honey, give it another shot. Maybe tying their shoe and whatever. And finally, they're ready. And you know when they're ready so that to be helpful is our only aim you pay close attention and yes they must want it you know we have a, a and i'm going to end with this there's a line and there's a paragraph in 142 okay you can be assured and this is to the employees that you do not intend to lecture moralize or condemn that this was done formally if it was it was because of a misunderstanding a possible a lack Express a lack of hard feelings toward him. At this point, it might be well to explain alcoholism, the illness. Say that you believe he is a gravely ill person. With this qualification, there it is. That's what qualifies you. Being perhaps fatally ill, does he want to get well? You ask because many alcoholics being walked and drugged do not want to quit. But does he? Will he take every necessary step? Submit to anything to get well, to stop drinking. Now this is it, forever. Not for the next occasion, not for the next cruise, not for the next day, forever. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you. Santa, your turn. Yes, good morning. Hi, my name is Santa from New Jersey. I thank you all for your shares. Um, I really needed to hear what I'm hearing this morning. Um, I just want to comment on the line where it says, don't start out as an evangelist, and unfortunately a lot of prejudice exists. But I was going through the steps with my sponsor. Um, yeah, I, I read it, and I'm like, okay, I got it. <laughs> While living it and reading it 
confining it to be totally different. Being newly recovered and sponsoring for the very first time, I'm finding that statement extremely difficult. Within the last several weeks, I have been consulting with other fellow chapters and feeling the need to do a 10-step because of that statement. I find myself so excited. You know, I get it. I got it. And yet I find myself being very impatient with others who don't see it the way I see it or are willing to do it the way I want them to do it. And it's been hard for me to watch someone who is clearly suffering with this fatal disease and to begin the process and then quit for whatever reason it may be. And the reason doesn't matter. And at that point, and this is me, this is this is me talking, Santa talking. <laughs> I want to pick them up and carry them to the finish line. But I can't. I can't do that. And why? Because I'm powerless. I have to constantly remind myself of that. I'm powerless when it comes to my recovery. Change is scary, difficult, and baffling at times. And when I get those thoughts, I go back to step one. I'm learning as a new step guide. It is not my responsibility to recover nor to attempt to change anyone. I'm learning from you all on the lines that my job is to just to be available and to to carry this message. I can't do any more. I'm learning not to take rejection personal. It's been hard. But instead to quickly and very quickly turn my thoughts to someone else who desperately want what I have and willing to do the work. And like you all have said it, and it's been quoted so many times, that there are those who desperately need this. We often see that day in and day out. And there are those who desperately want it. But I'm learning. I'm learning from my own personal experience in a few brief weeks that to be desperate is not enough and that I must continue to search out and keep my eyes on those who are willing to do the work. And thank you for allowing me to share. And Melanie, thank you for your service. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Santa. Who else would like to comment on the paragraph that was read? Larry. I hear Larry and Karen. Good morning, Larry. And then Karen next. Good morning, Melanie. Uh, Larry, thank you for your service. Larry, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff. Uh, a lot of good stuff was shared. And um, I guess what I would add again is, is you know, we're, you know, what is it to be recovered? See, I know something different today than I knew before. Being recovered today is I, I had a spirit, a spiritual awakening. You know, we often call it a, a complete, you know, a psychic change, a complete personality change. You know, I had a spiritual awakening, and somehow the God of my understanding was was central to that. And, you know, in this chapter, working with others, we're, we're in step 12. You know, having had a spiritual awakening, so what happened already, as the result of the steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. The principle behind this one is service. Um, I certainly, when I was still 
in the disease or I still abstinent but holding my breath underwater, struggling, I, I thought I had a message to carry. Um, you know, I could always pontificate, <laughs> but I, you know, did I have a spiritual awakening? I can tell you today, no, I did not. It didn't mean that I wasn't worthy or that I didn't know I didn't belong. Oh, I belonged, all right. It just meant that, um, you know, that I I could only carry the message that I had. I have a different message to carry today. Why? Because I'm uniquely qualified to um, to offer that. And that message is, this is what God did for me. This is what I did. I worked the steps precisely. And this is what happened. I had a spiritual awakening sufficient to arrest this disease and change me dramatically. You know, and, and, and I know that, you know, I may have been abstinent before. You know, but I was still, I was still struggling in the disease. And oftentimes I wanted to tell someone, a recovered person, you know, how to sponsor. I had all kinds of ideas about that. But they were uniquely qualified at that time. I wasn't uniquely qualified to be of service in that way. And the other thing, too, that was said earlier is to recover. You know, um, you know when I am lighting the pathway today, that's for people who are willing to do this. It doesn't mean that I don't love people and, and try to be kind and tolerant to people that are not willing to do this. Um, it's just that, you know, my, my job, as I see this today in, in lighting this pathway, is to take people through the steps precisely because that's what, where this spiritual awakening happens and that's where you no longer have to struggle with this anymore. And doesn't mean that life doesn't happen on life's terms, but, you know, before I just wanted, I didn't want that spiritual awakening. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it could do until I worked the steps. I wanted to be thin. I wanted my relationships to work better. I want, I want, I want, I want all these little things. There's a bigger picture here. And I'm so grateful that uh, that this has happened to me, m- mostly because I can carry the message. That's the bright spot of my day today. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Karen, it's your turn. Hello, my name is Karen, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for running the reading. And uh, thank you for everyone who's on the line, every single person on the line who's helping this meeting. Um, don't start out as an evangelist or a reformer. I did that. When I first came into OA, I decided that my father and my sister would really use this program. And I think I was, I was with a mission trying to shove the program down their throat. And that was more than 20 years ago. And um, I've been recovered for maybe 17 years. And uh, as far as I know, they've never been to a meeting. And, um, you know, I don't like that. That's not what Karen wants, but, you know, they have higher power and um, they do not want to recover, I guess, or whatever. Um, That brings me down to this last line, to be helpful is our only aim. With my family members, I had lots of aims, lots of aims, and um, that's the crux of my problem, that I'm selfish. I want things to go my way, and um, this 
and other sentences like it to be helpful is our only aim. That's a shift for me. It doesn't have to go Karen's way. There's a higher power out there and it's not me. I do not know what's best for everyone. I do not know other people's hearts. And even though I want the best for other people, it's not for me. My job is to be helpful. And when I'm helpful and I can leave all the results to a higher power, then that is where that's a spiritual experience for me, for sure, when my selfishness is not there and to be helpful is my only aim. And, you know, when I'm helpful to other people, that ensures immunity from drinking, like it says in the first paragraph of this chapter. Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. Um, why do I? Why am I helpful with other alcoholics? To carry the message that was carried to me, to keep this program strong, but also there's a selfish reason: ensure immunity from overeating. Um, I want that. I want to be free of the food, and when I fit. When I'm in such spiritual condition and I want to keep going along this path, I am. It's a miracle that um, I can be here on vacation with my family and people are eating all sorts of things and it's not for me. I can remember today that it's poison. So thank you everyone for being on the line and with that I pass. Thanks. Thank Hi, you. this is Rachel. Hi, this is Rachel. Hi, Rachel. We'll take you for the last one before we move to the next paragraph. So, um, this is Rachel Caposo, reader. When I hear this paragraph, what I think about is, you know, this idea of what it means to be helpful for another person and not trying to fix them, but rather to be helpful, to be helpful, excuse me. And one thing that I've learned in talking to newcomers over the years is that for every person, there was a unique relationship to their disease in terms of what their disease did for them. And and I, I once heard someone conceptualize it that there's, there's what the disease does to me and what it does for me. And until a person looks at what this disease has done to them and not just what it has done for them, then it's really difficult for them to see that the food is the is the problem and not the solution. I find that it's really, um, it's really hard for me to not look at other people and think what they should be doing in their lives. And that's an issue that's not just about looking at other compulsive overeaters who could use the program, but also just the way people live their lives in general. And I always think of the big book when it talks about that I'm not the director, I'm no longer running the show. And that goes for every time I speak to a newcomer and every time I speak to someone who, let's say, isn't a program but could benefit from program. And every person has their own respective path to getting help. And in terms of the timing of when things just start to click for them, and I'm just a messenger. I'm just a messenger that could be bringing them hope or encouragement and just being with them where they're at and giving them that unconditional love and acceptance that they can't even give themselves. So with that, I pass.
Thank you, Rachel. And Marcella, would you please read the first paragraph on page 90? Sure. Uh, my name is Marcella, recovery compulsive over here. Um, when you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity. This advice is given for his family also. They should be patient, realizing they are dealing with a sick person. Um, as I said, um, Marcella, a recovered compulsive overeater, and uh, discovering a prospect for us, for Overeaters Anonymous in addition for you, sadly, uh, we don't have to um, struggle that much. We don't need to go to restaurants or, or, or buffet tables or, or hospitals or eating disorder centers. We haven't even started going to eating disorder centers as, as a whole, as a whole way, as a whole. Um, we found them in the room, sadly. We find them in our own halls. Sadly, sadly for us as a group, but, but fortunately for me as a sponsor, because all I need is just to go to a local OA meeting. I will find somebody who's a prospect, prospect for the 12 steps. Now, as a previous speaker said, not only because somebody needs it, that means that they're ready or they want to want it. My experience is that um, a lot of people will ask to sponsor them, uh, but then as soon as you start talking about them, trying to learn everything about them, as it says in this book, um, they immediately want to take their will back and negotiate and, and stick to their own methods. And even then when they agree to start the work and start reading the book, they say, um, let's do it this way, let's do it that way. Well, I was considered this way, I was considered that way. And, and the reality is, like myself, I was ready for the results but I was absolutely not interested in the process. So, so um, and this is being very hard for me because when we start working with somebody and then, then you realize, you know, they, they keep picking up the food and they're picking up the food and, and then they fall into self-pity and, and then they got into, you know, morbid self-reflection and all of that. And it's heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. So my MO has been to exert my will even more as a sponsor. And, and that's futile, as it says here. Don't waste your time. Just don't waste your time. It's so difficult to tell somebody, please try to get another sponsor because, because I don't want you to spoil a later opportunity. If there's somebody who knows about relapses and, and people not being ready for the work, that'll be Alcoholics Anonymous because they're just a little older than us. And uh, we, see, we see every single group in AA will tell you of their chronic relapses. They manage not to die for a long time. They prolong their agony. That's what they do. They prolong their agony until one fatigue day, you know, uh, old age with a, combined with a progressive of these disease or a progression of these disease, then one day they're dead. That's what happens. And, and, and the more that I say in a way, I'm old enough in a way to have seen people first get, you know, the morbid obesity and the, and the suffering of all the joints and the diabetes and the diabetic shock and, and the loss of their limbs and the loss mm. of their mobility until finally one day you say, you know, such and such is dead. So, so this is very serious. And, and, and in reading the history of Bill, you know, when, when, when you read AA Comes to Age, you learn that you have to try many, many, many times 
you have to be asked 20 times to get maybe one or two people that are really, really ready. But that's not to be discouraged because um, I'm as a sponsor, as an unsuccessful sponsor, I'm just a step for their bottom. But in the meantime, I managed to take over. It's terrible. Sometimes it sounds even cruel, but, but that's the nature of this disease. And um, trying to sponsor somebody is never a waste of time if um, I do it with all my heart and, and pray for them and follow exactly the directions that are so beautifully and articulately described in this book. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella. Who would like to comment on that paragraph that was just read? Amy. Amy. I hear Amy, but did I hear anyone else? Sarah. Did Sally. I hear Sarah? Did I hear Sarah at all? Yes. Sally. Okay, and then I hear Sally. I do hear you, Sally. So I hear Amy G, Sarah W, and Sally, and I'll just catch the rest afterwards. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Ellie. Thank you for your service. Thank you, everyone who has shared. Great meeting. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You know, there's a saying in the room that says, you know, I carry the message, for those of us who are recovered, that I carry the message, that I don't carry the mess. I know that sounds kind of harsh because we do come into, you know, we do come into these meetings usually not on an upswing. I was a mess, you know. And I, I had to have a message carried to me. But I certainly couldn't have been carried because if I'd been enabled, um, I would have never really gotten this message. And in this case, you know, my sponsor used to say to me is that, you know, we let the disease do the persuading and then we carry the message to the person. And it says here on page 48, faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon become as open-minded on spiritual matters as we tried to be in other questions. In this respect, alcohol was the great persuader. It is painful to watch people come to these rooms, you know, frothy emotional appeal, you know, help me, I'm dying, I'm hundreds of pounds overweight, or I'm bulimic or whatever, and yet they still are not persuaded about step one of admitting that they are compulsive readers. That is not my job to convince them of that. My job is to carry the message of these 12 steps to them once that's already been decided. I need to find out about them. I need to understand where they are coming from. There's not a person I don't sponsor that doesn't start with what I call a first step that tells me their history of their compulsive overeating. Not only so I can hear it, but so that they can make that decision, so they can stand at the turning point with complete abandon and say, yes, I want this program. I want to, purchase, I want to work this program. You know, lay the spiritual tools, lay the spiritual kit of tools at their feet at the 12 steps. It's my choice to pick them up. It's their choice as a sponsee to pick them up. I cannot do that for them because what is my job? My job is to carry the message so that I also can stay sober. It says helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act done once in a while isn't enough. You have to be the good Samaritan every day. That's further on into this chapter. And as we get into this chapter, we're going to get more instructions on how we actually sponsor someone. But in the beginning, my, my reality of how I sponsor is I go through the numbers. That's the deal. This is a chronic relapse-prone disease. And those who need it may not necessarily be the ones who want it and work it. They may need it and they want it, and then they may not want to work it. They may be three-quarters of the way there, but it's not my job to persuade them. I let the disease do the persuading, and then I carry the message. 
And that's my only job. And it's heartbreaking and it's painful. But I cannot stand in the way of when someone who really does want to work it, if I'm not there, we need to be there for those who are the ones that are going to work this program so that they in turn can carry the message to the next person. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Sarah W. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Sarah W. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, I hear so much um, in this paragraph and the previous one about humility. And, you know, I, I think about the idea that um, this, you know, the program is for me to remain abstinent and sober and and to walk through the 12 steps and to keep them in my life um, and live them. Um, the other side of it is that I need to remain teachable through sponsoring and being sponsored. And I just wanted to bring us back to um, Bill's story a little bit, just briefly, and look at the idea that, um, you know, when Ebby came to Bill, you know, Bill's, Bill's thought was he was sober. You know, what had happened? And, and he saw this difference in this human being. And that was why he was so drawn to him. And whether Ebby was drinking or not or had, you know, had not remained sober, Bill looked at him as his sponsor till the end. And he, I don't think he had more than five years of sobriety. And the other thing I wanted to look at is um, in step 12, in the 12 and 12, because I utilize that so much uh, in sponsoring and also uh, in, in my own working of the steps. You know, it says on page 110, we may often pass through 12-step experiences where we will seem to be temporarily off the beam. And, you know, these will appear as setbacks at the time. And then towards the bottom of the page, it talks about the fact that, you know, in the long run we realize that these are only the pains of growing up. And I don't know about you guys, but my whole disease is about the fact that I didn't grow up. And that's what sponsoring teaches me too. I cannot get somebody sober or keep anybody sober. I can't do it for myself. And the blessing is that I am not here to save anybody. I'm here, you know, my responsibility is reach out my hand when somebody reaches out towards me. And we are all individuals and we all find it in a different way. And personally, some people are not ready to work the steps immediately. They sit in the rooms. And maybe for them that's enough for right now. Maybe they just can't. It's not for me to judge that. We are all individuals, and God bless them. Bless them and heal me, because I am one that does judge, and I don't want to be there today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Sally A., your turn. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally, recovered in South Jersey. So when you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. And this requires listening I usually, uh, when I get on the phone with new people that I've never met before, I um, I get their vital signs. I ask them how long have they been in OA, how long have they been listening to a vision for you. 
and how long have they been abstinent? And a lot of times they want to give disclaimers. Well, I was abstinent for this period of time, that period of time. Mm-hmm. And I only want to know right now, what, how long have you been abstinent today? And I want to find this information out because I want to know how discouraged are they. I want to know how ready are they. I want to know what have they been through because I know what I went through to reach the place where I was ready when I finally had had enough and I was done with this old, sick relationship with food. So when it says, find out all you can about him, it reminds me right away that, and that's what they're giving us here, instructions on how to best carry the message that I must listen. You know, this last paragraph, when it talked about uh, not being an evangelist, I just marvel. It's, you know, it's speaking from Bill's experience on page nine when Ebby, you know, comes to him and he's, he says, come on, what's all this about in the middle of page nine? And Ebby says, I've got religion. And I can't help but think that that inspired, you know, his, this, last, this last paragraph when he's telling us, don't start out as an evangelist. She was, maybe he wasn't so comfortable when Ebby started out with the words, I've got religion. And it led to that knee-jerk reaction, you know, I was aghast. You know, and we know that he really wasn't as aghast as he sounded because he, you know, goes on to share with us how he really did have, you know, some spiritual convictions. He did believe um, in a power outside of himself. And so we're given here in this chapter some very simple instructions to begin with. Don't lead out with your chin. You know, don't start out with, you know, being an evangelist. And then here in this paragraph, find out all you can about him. Listen. It goes on to say, if he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity. And you know what that says to me is about the people that had come to me and who had, you know, shared what they could with me. And they really, they tried so hard. But when I wasn't ready, I still wasn't ready. And that spoiled an opportunity because I was sort of sheepish about going back when I was more ready and asking them for help. You know, it made it harder to go to them because I had gone back into the food over and over and over and over again. And I myself wasn't sure I was ready. How do you know when you're ready? It's a question that people ask me all the time. How do I know? And, and ultimately, this paragraph says it all. They should be patient. We should be patient, realizing they are dealing with a sick person. I love the way they put this on page 75 at the top of the page. He should realize that we are engaged upon a life and death errand. That's what this is. And when people come to realize the nature and the severity of their illness, that's when they're really ready. And we have to be patient and gentle and wait for that to happen. But I love the fact that they're giving us such explicit instructions, beginning with, find out all you can about him. Listen. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. And that brings us to the end of of this particular hour, and I thank everyone who shared today. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Marie P. please read from A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Marie P., are you there? Press star one. This is is Marie P. Can you hear me? I can now. Thank you. Okay. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm from Pennsylvania. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the happy, the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.